You know it when you see it. Something that is so bad that it is really good. Something that defies categorization. Something that you want to say is terrible, but you just cannot stop looking at it. Like this painting I'm staring at right now. It's called Ferret in a Brothel. And to me, it looks like these brown velvet curtains have been opened suddenly, revealing this surprised gray ferret who has this little black bow on its head and it's standing next to a gramophone with musical notes floating out of it. And the ferret's eyes are looking in two different directions, but one of them is definitely looking at me. Okay, and the next painting, Medusa Fries Fish, which, true to its title, is a painting of a wild-haired woman holding a frying pan over a flame that looks like a pile of french fries. In the pan is this little blue fish, and this fish actually looks more like a miniature beluga whale, but it has this look on its face that I can't get over. Despite being fried, the fish is looking up at Medusa with his happy little grin. What in the actual <laughs> is going on? I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're visiting the Museum of Bad Art in Somerville, Massachusetts. What makes it so bad is what makes it so good. The story of the museum, after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. For your next vacation spot, check out Texas for their vast landscape of culture, regions, destinations, and activities. Explore 350 miles of coastline and every kind of hiking trail, from strenuous to wheelchair accessible. Enjoy world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Travel Texas even offers an online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. Back in 1982, a guy named John Gedritis decided to take an art class. It was a portrait painting class. So you know how this works. A model would come in to the class and they'd stand in the middle of the room and all the students, like John, would draw them. This guy came in, took off his robe, sat on this box, and he had a pair of white underwear on. And, I mean, that's what we had to draw. So I I drew him. When I got home, I decided, you know, I'd like to try some, well, impressionism or pointillism. So I was thinking of the artist 
George Surratt, who was mm -hmm. a famous pointillist. And it, it simply meant painting in small dots of color. And this is where John made an important artistic choice. He turned his drawing into a pointillist portrait of the man sitting in his underwear. So, I mean, the painting came out rather successfully, but, but I mean, like, why would somebody, you know, use pointillism for that? It was a bad choice. John got rid of that painting, and he doesn't actually remember how. He figures he probably threw it away in the trash. But he didn't think about it again for a long, long time. And then years later, probably about 10 years ago, I was looking on the website of the Museum of Bad Art. And I love bad art. I mean, I, I just love the whole idea of it. I Probably because of my sense of humor. <laughs> and so I, I kept going to this one painting and I said, you know, that kind of reminds me of a painting that I did a long time ago. And the more I kept looking at it, the more I decided, you know, maybe that is. It was. The painting had been given a new name. Sunday on the Pot with George. John still doesn't know how his painting found its way there, but now it's part of the permanent collection of the Museum of Bad Art, or MOBA. Today, the Museum of Bad Art has a website, a gallery, and a bad reputation to uphold. But 30 years ago, there was no plan to open a proper museum. It all started with a one-off event, a housewarming party, actually in a basement full of hand-picked bad art. And people absolutely loved it. They wanted more. So the basement became a makeshift museum. And the collection grew and grew to over 600 pieces maintained by a staff. Today, the works are displayed in rotation, several dozen at a time, in a different basement beneath an old vaudeville theater in Somerville, Massachusetts. The gallery is actually next door to the men's bathroom, so sometimes you can enjoy the sound of toilets flushing as you take in the paintings. Okay, well, let me first talk about the one that started it all. This is Luis Riley Sacco, the current executive director of MOBA. That's Lucy in the field with flowers, and it's just, it, it is a very compelling portrait. It's a good painting. Like, <laughs> it's sort of got this dynamism to him. She, this woman looks very angry. And there's just a peak of a red chair that then immediately disappears sort of into this field of flowers. And the flowers are blowing in one direction, but her clothes, some of her clothes are blowing in the other direction. <laughs> it's art. It's good. I like this. If somebody has made an obvious mistake, we'll recognize that and, and have some fun with it. And this is Mike Frank, the curator of the Museum of Bad Art. He and Luis worked together, so we talked to them together on the same Zoom call. And Mike told us about another painting in the collection called The Red Rose Serenade. And it's a picture of a, a piano keyboard with a, a bouquet of roses on top. But the artist clearly doesn't know what a keyboard looks like. And <laughs> the black notes and the white notes are not in the right place. A piano player would, you know, his hands would get all twisted up trying to play play the keyboard. It's not Picasso-style cueism at work here. The artist just didn't know what a piano looked like. Didn't know or, or couldn't get it quite right. 
That said, it's not just like any bad work of art can make its way into the museum. There are standards. There's a process. A lot of careful thought goes into deciding what works of art are the right kind of bad to make it into the collection. Here's Mike and Luis again. We need to be looking at things that we believe were sincerely made as someone trying to make an artistic statement or communicate something. And um, starting there, then do we think something went wrong in a way that makes it interesting or uh, starts conversations or raises questions? So sometimes poor technique will result in a compelling image. Other times the artist clearly has control of the technique but has made some very, what we consider questionable decisions in the imagery that, that uh, he or she used. Sure. The collection raises questions, like, why use pointillism to paint a guy in his underwear? Or, what is that ferret doing in the brothel? But the collection itself also raises the bigger question of why. Why go to all the trouble of collecting these odd, misfit pieces of art? If you're walking past an art gallery with a group of people and someone says, wow, look at that, until you turn around, you don't know if it's very good or very bad. People ooh and ah and, and talk about it and, and you know have a conversation about it. The thing that I feel when I look at these paintings, whether it's a mariachi in Tiananmen Square or man in puffy disco hat, is the earnest joy of creation, and the delight, at least my delight, in these unexpected outcomes. And in a way, I think some of the charm of these works goes back to those creative instincts that we first feel as kids, long before we get too analytical. Being a a teacher for so many years and, you know, teaching children, that's something that I, I always loved about it. This is John Gidritis again. In addition to being an official Museum of Bad Artist, he's also a retired art teacher. You know, kids are so innocent. They don't have the skill to draw a dog anatomically correctly or, you know, but yet they're so proud of what they made. And you appreciate that stuff. Look at art and don't be so swift to ignore something. It's all in the eye of the beholder. As a viewer of these artworks, we can appreciate all the innocent, childlike joy of some of these odd paintings. But what about in the eyes of the creators, of the painters? What's it like to be an artist and discover that one of your paintings has landed in the Museum of Bad Art? We asked John. I was so proud to find it in a museum. The Museum of Bad Art. How can you get any better than that? And I've got to say, the museum has very high standards. They won't just take anything. Seriously, look up John's painting online. Search Sunday on the Pot with George. If I set out to make that, there is absolutely no way that I could. It is it is strange for sure, but it's like pretty good too. And that's the thing. It's not that the art in this museum sucks. It's it's definitely like bad, but also really good. It's wonderful. It's funny. It's weird. And I think my favorite thing is that it all kind of makes me love the people who painted it. So stand back. Take a look. It's art. 
Sadly, at the time of reporting this, MOBA was closed because of the pandemic. But luckily, you can enjoy a lot of the collection online at museumofbadart.org or on MOBA's Facebook page. Need a place to start? Uh, let me suggest Shamu Celebrates with Sushi. This story was reported and interviews conducted by the wonderful Matthew Taub. Thank you to John Gidritis, Louise Riley-Sacco, and Mike Frank for talking with us today. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, me, Dylan Thuris, Sarah Wyman, John Delore, and Peter Clowney. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all of the wonder in the world. Talk to you soon. Like the MoMA, but not modern art, bad art. MOBA. (laughs) For whatever reason, I felt like you needed to do that again. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 